Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. man is putting in to my running and I'm so far from my home. Hey, Pittsburgh, welcome to Steel City Hockey, a podcast covering everything Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Got a real simple show for you today. We're in full off-season mode right now on the NHL. We've got more free agency recap. I have another guest, a guy that's been on the show before, Hunter Hodes, coming back on to discuss the divisions we haven't gotten to yet, the Atlantic and the two divisions out west. And I'm going to address what I didn't get to last week with the Phil Kessel uh, sp- trade speculation, trade rumors now around Phil I will get to that in our second segment, just two segments today. First, our guest, and then I will uh, – I am not as mad at a, as I was last week about the Phil Kessel trade speculation, so I will not necessarily rant, but uh, I will poke holes in the logic of Ron Cook, who the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette columnist who argued Kessel could be on his way out uh, for the Penguins. We're now going to welcome on our guest for this week. He's been a multiple guest on the show before, a good friend of mine, Hunter Hodes. Hunter, thanks for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me, Dave. Well, we wanted to break down free agency with Hunter. I uh, myself did Penguins free agency recap two weeks ago. Last week with two of our guests, we talked about the Metropolitan Division, and that's where we're going to start with Hunter today. Hunter, who did you think improved their roster the most in the Metropolitan Division? Well, for me, there's probably about uh, two, probably more, one more than the other, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, This team, they added Justin Williams, uh, who's still a really good scorer. He had 24 goals last year for them. And they also finally solved their biggest weakness, which is goaltending. Scott Darling got added in a trade from um, Chicago, and he's going to be their star- their starter next year with Cam Ward being the backup. And now with that in place, they have some really good young talent with their core. Um, Stahl there, um, Sebastian Ajo, Victor Rask, um, Jeff Skinner. Um, this is a team that could definitely be a, a candidate to make the playoffs for the first time in eight years this year. They'll have to leapfrog a couple teams, but with improved with improved goaltending and their defense is really good too. I wouldn't be surprised if if Carol if Carolina makes some noise this year finally. Yeah, you're right. They will have to uh, leapfrog a couple teams to get to the playoffs. Only five maximum can get in from the Metropolitan Division, and it seems like everybody's getting better in this division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one team that probably didn't get get better this offseason was the Washington Capitals, but that was kind of expected with all the work, the roster, the roster turnover they they had to get, they had to go through. That's right, and we covered that extensively with Sammy Silver last week on the show. Um, and I agree with you. I think Carolina is a good pick. I thought New Jersey improved their roster really well as well in free agency, but Carolina seems to be the popular pick right now to be a sleeper team in the East. Yeah, yeah. They'll definitely be able to hopefully crack up some more points this year and finally bring playoff hockey back to Raleigh for the first time in like eight years. How about in the Atlantic Division? Was there any team that you felt like closed the gap? Uh, when when uh, compared to the Metropolitan, which right now is the better division in the East? Um, 
for me, that's probably the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to be fully healthy next year. Stamkos is coming back. They'll have Johnson, Palat, Kalorn, Nikita Kucherov on that bargain deal. Um, we, we saw a glimpse of what Andre Vasilevsky can provide in the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. He's going to be rock solid in his first full year as a starter. Um, their defense is they have a great top two, uh, top one two punch with Hagman and Strawman. The only one weird thing that happened with them this offseason is that for some reason they decided to give uh, a two year contract to Dan Girardi, who's just an anchor at this point in his career. And, and they gave him three million per. Uh, hopefully, they don't put him with uh, Victor Hagman to drag him. So, but I think I do think that Tampa Bay will probably be. To them, I think you can make an argument that they're the second best team in the conference. Well, they certainly were two years ago when they faced the Penguins in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, lost that game by one goal. Had a three-two series lead in in that series. But uh, was there a particular move you liked from Tampa Bay, uh, other than the ones that you just listed, or is there another move from an Atlantic Division team that you really liked? What was your favorite move in that division this free agency period? Um, the one, oh, wow, like, I mean, the probably the, the, the biggest one, of course, was the Jonathan Drouin trade for uh, Sergachev in Montreal. That was probably my favorite one, just because of how like it was a one for one, two pretty good, um, two pretty good players moving on from. Their teams, um, Drew and going to uh, Montreal to give um, uh, them some more scoring. And then Bergachev, um, who's apparently a really good defensive prospect going to Tampa, you know, that'll help fix their blue line a bit if they just, um, that'll help offset the Girardi signing a bit if they decide to play him in the top, in the top four. That was probably, because it, ha- it also happened right before the expansion draft. So it was a lot of fun to see how that trade went. We're talking with Hunter Hodes, uh, a writer at LastWordOnSports.com and MyNHLTradeRumors.com. He covers the NHL and the Penguins at both of those sites. Let's go out west, Hunter. Nashville, a team that Penguins fans are now very familiar with, having faced them in six games in the Stanley Cup Final. What did you think of their moves and specifically the Penguin that they added, Nick Bonino? Um, the, the Nick Benino move, I mean, it's not really surprising to me, um, but Mike Fisher's gone. Um, uh, I mean, he, I mean, he, I don't, he's not under contract. They, they could still resign him. Um, he's, he's a good, he's a good third, he's a good third line center. I mean, is he a bit overpaid? I mean, yeah, four, four million per for him is kind of a bit t- too much, but I wasn't surprised that, that he went there. That was probably one of my top t- uh, teams he was probably going to go to other than maybe Montreal who needs a center. Um, but, um, but Pittsburgh wasn't going to give him that, that kind of money. Um, I, I was, th- I was thinking in my head, I think I was going to write something too, that they would probably only offer him somewhere around 3 million per or a little over it would be the max. And I'm glad the Penguins walked away from that because it would have been a bad contract, not just probably now, but down the road for them yeah. as they try to extend their their young talent that they have in Cherry and Gensel's going to get a raise uh, in a couple years. Um, so, I mean, it's it wasn't really that surprising for him. And you figure he slots in that second-line center spot for Nashville? Yeah, I think, yeah, either um, he, either he'll be there or Yarn Crock will be the uh, second-line center. Or what, it'll be whichever one they'll put there, Yarn Crock and 
in um, Benito because Johansson's top, the top line. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with you with Benito from a Penguins perspective. Uh, once it got up above 3.5, I was happy or, or pleased that the Penguins pulled out. I was probably more willing to give him that 3.5 than you were based on how we – on our discussions at the beginning of the month. But um, I agree. They've, they've got Connor Sheary and and still Brian Dumoulin to extend this summer. And then next summer you're looking at Patrick Hornquist, Ian Cole, Jake Gensel, restricted free agent, uh, Brian Rust, a restricted free agent. So a lot of guys that they need to sign for the future, and you don't want Nick Benito locked up to a three-year deal. Yeah, they they, they got to make sure that they don't like lock themselves into too many bad deals since they're like a – they're a cap-heavy team, and they spend up to the cap. Right, right. Well, how did you see the rest of the Western Conference? Uh, was there anything that stood out to you among the other teams out West that was a really great move in free agency, or or maybe the opposite, a really bad tra- a bad uh, signing? I guess I'll start with a couple of the uh, bad ones. Um, the Winnipeg signing of Dmitry Kulikov—that was probably the funniest. Um, signing of the offseason because of how bad it was. They gave him three years, I think a little over $4 million per, for a guy that really hasn't been healthy throughout his career and also just hasn't, he just, he's not that good. Um, <laughs> that was just, it was, in, and of course it would be Kevin Sheveldayoff, a guy who's probably just, I hate to criticize the guy, but he's just a very boring general manager and you don't really see much come out of Winnipeg these days and it was good to look at them once. Uh, the other one, of course, Edmonton with Chris Russell. They gave him four years, $4 million per. Um, I feel bad for Connor McDavid a bit because he is going to have to carry that team every single year <laughs> if they want to win a cup because without him, that's probably a one of the bottom-tier teams in the league. So um, with that, some of the good signings, um, I like what Dallas is doing. They signed Radulov to a five-year deal. I think they're looking at Tyler Sagan and Jason Spezza. Their contracts are coming up, and they're like, oh, okay. Jim Neal's like, oh, okay. Well, I think it's time to go all in because Jamie Benn's not – I mean, he's still in his prime, but, you know, they're going to have to ex- try to – they're going to have to maximize this window because Sagan's under a nice contract with Spezza. And they'll probably want big. They're going to want big raises after their contracts are up, and they'll also get a few good years out of Ben Bishop too before maybe he starts to plateau. Um, Chicago's free agency was a bit interesting. Um, they Brian Campbell left. They did, of course, they did the big Brandon Sud trade, uh, the John Merson trade. Um, I don't know what to. I mean, they'll probably still be a good team. Maybe not as good as last year. Um, I don't really, um, the West, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, of course, Patrick Marlowe left for the Sharks to go to the Leafs. That will hit them a little bit, but Jumbo Joe, of course, Jumbo Joe was always going to come back. Other than that, you know, I don't really see any bigger, major, weird, or big signings that happened out there. Let's, let's return to Edmonton here for a second, because they, they also, gave Connor McDavid the massive deal. And I, I think your point is really well taken that uh, <laughs> that team is going to be heavily reliant on Connor McDavid, kind of like maybe the Penguins were with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin for a long time. And, and as successful as they are right now, the Penguins, 
there was a gap there where they were too star reliant. Oh yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Connor, Peter Shirelli is just, I don't under, there's, I could call him many names. Smart, <laughs> I don't think is one of them. Uh, this guy has traded so much ta- star talent around him that for just peanuts in return. And they're just banking on him to just have a, like, a hundred point season after a hundred point season. And to just basically carry the team to the playoffs. I mean, last year was another big reason why they made it was because of Cam Talbot. He was Vezina caliber if it weren't for Sergei Bobrovsky. And if he drops off a bit, that team is probably not as doesn't finish as high as they do in the standings. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you just know they're. I mean, he's probably just going to trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins next. That's, that's the way it's going <laughs> to go. <laughs> it's. I just I, I I feel bad for McDavid. I wish he signed for four, four years, but that was never going to happen. He was going to sign for eight. Um, but I hope I, I hope Shirelli starts to turn this around. But I don't really have too much too much faith in them. Even last year when he signed Milan Lucic to I don't have the the term in front of me, but it was I think a seven year deal, mm-hmm. five yeah. six million dollar per right. Yeah, yeah, it was around, I think it was around there. Yeah. And the guy is, I think he's in his 30s or 29, and uh, that that was just a, a huge contract to give out to a 29-year-old that, that is a physical player that is going to start to wear down. Yeah, you just, you can't give out those contracts to that, those kind of players. And then, of course, you go back to the, uh, the, the, the big trade. Everyone still talks about the Taylor Hall trade this morning. The uh, the Ed- speaking, speaking of that, you know, the Edmonton media is just kind of delusional. I, I tweet about it reg- regularly, almost because they 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 make they make everyone laugh at them. They were like, well, they were like, well, you know, they didn't they they, they basically just said, well, um, how do I how do I put it? Well, you know, they, the Devils don't have a star to demon now in Adam Larson, and I'm like, that's still a bad trade for them. Yeah. And they're just making it sound like Adam Larson was just great for them last year when Taylor Hall is just probably one of the best left wingers in hockey. Imagine, I mean, imagine just him next to McDavid. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I am complete, completely gr- agreeing with you that the, the Shirelli idea that he trades away top talent, I, and I, I don't get it either. Yes, it's definitely weird. Kessel, Stafford, Sagan. <laughs> And Hall. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's yeah, it's a lot. Well, uh, that's all the time we have. Uh, Hunter, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, listeners, follow Hunter on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, H U N T E R H O D I E S. That's how you spell uh, his first and last name. That's his handle on Twitter, and and uh, get his work at lastwordonsports.com and mynhltraderumors.com. And lastly, you can also listen to Hunter and me on uh, Weekend Sports Huddle, WRSP Radio, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday morning. So, Hunter, thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure coming on. Thanks for having me, Dave. Welcome back to Steel City Hockey, a podcast covering everything Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Thanks once again to Hunter for coming on the show. Great insight on free agency around the rest of the league. 
Uh, I wish I had more time to follow the rest of the NHL as closely as I cover the, the Penguins and watch the Penguins. Uh, there's just not enough time in the day. So these guests are really important to me to have them on and, and give you guys more insight outside of what's happening in Pittsburgh, at least NHL-wise. So I did want to get back to some Penguins news this week. Uh, Brian Dumoulin is going to have his arbitration hearing on Monday. That is really the big thing on the, the docket for the Penguins this coming week. But if we we can right now, I want to take the time to return to something that happened last week that I wasn't able to get to. And that was the Phil Kessel speculation that he is on the trading block. Real quick, some background into why Kessel... The trade speculation for Kessel is um, a hot topic right now. Ron Cook of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote last week, I think it was Tuesday, the article came out Tuesday, the day before the last podcast, um, that he would not be surprised at all and fans should not be surprised if Kessel is dealt this summer, that he'd worn out his welcome, that he drives Mike Sullivan crazy, that Sidney Crosby doesn't like playing with him. There were quite a few allegations in this article and cook didn't really write them as allegations he tried to play them off as fact and and uh the the wording that he used was from what i see or uh he also i think used the phrase it's widely known something along those lines i'm i'm uh, paraphrasing here but basically saying that it's a consensus idea that kessel is no longer welcomed in Pittsburgh, that he's run out his welcome, that uh, his teammates don't like him, his coaching staff can't stand him. And this came out, this article, a few days after Rick Tockett took the deal to go become the coach of the Arizona Coyotes. And Kessel has been well-documented saying that that uh, Tockett is his favorite assistant coach, maybe his favorite coach that he's ever played for, a guy that was called the <laughs> Phil Whisperer or Kessel Whisperer or whatever. So, of course, this leads to this idea that, well, without Tockett, the Penguins can't use Kessel um, because there's no buffer between him and Sullivan, and Sullivan doesn't like him, can't use him with Crosby or Malkin, so there, it has to be, there has to be a trade. There might be some smoke to this fire that uh, Cook ignited in his column last week. I'm not denying that maybe Sullivan is annoyed by Kessel sometimes. We saw on the ice in Game 2 against the Ottawa Senators that Kessel is an intense player. uh, And he can be a little bit animated on the ice, probably similar in practice. So maybe he does drive some teammates or Sullivan crazy. Does that mean they want him out? Does that mean that he can't be a valuable teammate to them? Absolutely not. That's where I think Cook goes off the deep end. I wish that Cook would have just wrote it as an opinion piece and played it off and and basically made the point that the Penguins should trade Kessel because there are arguments to be made there. And I think I wouldn't have made this argument last week because I was so angry about this article. But looking at it more objectively now and having a week to sit on this topic, yes, there are reasons to trade Phil Kessel. First of all, the Penguins are still in the market for a third-line center. And if they are able to lock up Brian Dumoulin and Connor Sheary and maybe Matt Cullen, they're going to be very close to the salary cap. And they're not going to have much space to sign or trade for a a third-line center unless they give up a NHL player that 
has a significant salary, such as Olimata, uh, Carl Hagelin, I think. Those are the two big candidates to be included in a trade for a third-line center. But if you're looking at the Penguins' roster construction right now, they have a surplus of wings. So why not trade somebody like Phil Kessel, who costs more than either Mata or Haglin, is locked up for a longer period of time, and is going to turn 30 sooner than Mata or Haglin. Haglin and Kessel, I guess, are about the same age, but Kessel makes more money. Neither one produced the way that they did the previous season. Uh, so there are arguments to make that, that Kessel would is more valuable right now on the trade block um, than he's ever going to be. I think that's for sure. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say he's more valuable on the trade block than on the Penguins, but he is more valuable, or, or his trade value is as high as it's going to be right now. It's going to decline as he gets into his 30s, and he's locked up for a significant amount of time at 6.8 million dollars. And, and right now, people don't think he's worth that much. So, moving forward, it's likely that he's going to decrease in value and really not be worth that $6.8 million. Now, would I trade Kessel? Absolutely not. Let's not forget, Phil was the MVP of the 2015-16 playoffs. The 2016 playoffs, the first Stanley Cup of the back-to-back run the Penguins are on right now. Kessel was the team MVP. Sidney Crosby won the Conn Smythe because he won the voters' hearts. But he barely won that vote, guys. He won by a handful of votes. Phil Kessel led the team in goals and points. And in the last two postseasons combined, he still leads the Penguins in goals. I don't care if they're on the power play or not. Why does that matter? I mean, it matters to a certain extent. You want Phil Kessel to produce at even strength. He didn't do that this past postseason, but he's still scoring. I believe he had eight playoff goals, top four on the team. In goals, he did enough to help you win. And the Penguins, obviously winning the Stanley Cup, he got a huge goal in that game two I referenced, where he was driving people crazy. So it's obviously maybe dysfunction that works well. Uh, I've, I've said it time and again in my articles and probably on this show. Phil Kessel is a bit of an enigma. The Penguins would like him to score more goals. Only 23 goals this past year. That's not enough. They would like 30 at least. There was talk that Kessel was going to get 40 playing next to Sidney Crosby. Of course, he hasn't been playing next to Sidney Crosby. I can't tell you why, whether Crosby likes playing with him or not. I, I don't know, but I have a hard time believing that Crosby would tell anybody that he doesn't like Phil Kessel after winning two Stanley Cups. So I don't see how Ron Cook has that information, quite honestly. Um, so... There, there, it, that's why I would say Kessel is an enigma because you would like more production from him in the regular season. He's been averaging about 25 goals over the last two years. That's a little bit low based on the production he had early in his career, but he's a playoff hero. He did very well in the 2016 postseason, MVP of the team in my opinion, did enough to help you in 2017. And without Phil Kessel, they don't win either Stanley Cup, neither Stanley Cup guy. So moving forward, I think he should be a part of, of the core for Pittsburgh. Uh, $6.8 million, yeah, uh, that is a hefty salary, but look, look at what McDavid just got. 
Kessler is getting about half of what Connor McDavid got from the Penguins. Now, Toronto is also paying $1.2 million, so he's an $8 million player. Maybe it's a different conversation if the Penguins are on the hook for all $8 million. But right now, at just 6.8, that's a very affordable salary for a winger that has the potential to score 30 goals and be a guy that scores 10 goals for you on a Stanley Cup run. And I want to make one other point on this subject. The people that are arguing that, well, Kessel can't possibly play well with the Penguins now without Rick Tockett as his assistant coach. Really? I mean, Kessel scored 40 goals and a few years ago, and Rick Tockett wasn't his assistant coach. I'm not saying Kessel should score 40 goals next year, but Mark Recchi is stepping in. He's a guy that's also worked with Phil Kessel previously. It's not like it's a brand new coach. He's a guy that's familiar with all of the Penguins players, so he should step in seamlessly as an assistant coach for Pittsburgh next year behind the bench. And the people that are arguing that Kessel did not do well enough these past two years or didn't have a good postseason are the same people that are saying, well, he can't produce without Rick Tockett now. Well, you're arguing that he didn't produce even with Rick Tockett, right? You're saying, oh, he didn't produce enough. He, 23 goals isn't enough from Phil Kessel. Eight, eight goals in the postseason, if five or six of them are on the power play, whatever the number was, that's not enough. Well, he did that, guys, with Rick Tockett. So which one is it? Does he produce with Rick Tockett and he can't do it going forward without him? Or did he not have a good past two seasons with Rick Tockett as assistant coach, even though he's credited Rick Tockett as being a great coach to him? It can't be both. You can't have it both ways. This is probably all water on the bridge when at the end of the day because Jim Rutherford went on Ron Cook's radio show on 93, uh, the fan in Pittsburgh. And 90, 93.7, the fan, I think, is, is what it's called. And uh, his quote, when asked about <laughs> his own article, Cook's article, uh, Rutherford says, I'm quoting him, Kessel is an important part of the Penguins. I don't want to sit here and say a certain player is not going to get traded at some point in his career. I mean, Phil already did. But that is not something I foresee happening now. There you have it. I think Phil Kessel will absolutely stay with the Penguins this coming season as the as Pittsburgh goes for the three-peat. And I think, again, I, I said it before, I, he's a part of the core moving forward. That's all we have time for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in in this July. I know the NHL news is pretty slow at this point, but thanks for making my show a part of your day. You can follow me on Twitter at DM Holcomb, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. You can also email me, HolcombMDavid, at gmail.com. And get all of your latest NHL offseason news at thehockeywriters.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. Go Pens.